1: you damn right hope everybody's having a good monday we come out of the weekend with some texas teams trying to make noise in the baseball tournament you may not have let them host but they're all trying to get even one of them's already already gotten even the others are mad and trying to get even we'll keep you updated on a couple of those during the show today and because of what happened over the weekend and what may happen tonight we may have a whole new Austin or College Station discussion to have. Jump on in. It's Chad and Zay on a Monday. I'm Chad Hastings, and he is Isaiah Collier. What's up, Zay? What's good, Chad? Cardwell, Texas, get ready. (laughs) It's about to be popping, baby. You know, I'm so excited that we are ahead of this whole discussion. Zay has come up with the greatest idea Forget Austin, forget College Station. Zay wants to bring commerce to the great city of Caldwell. Zay, are you putting in a bid right now for a super regional and football game? Absolutely. Okay. Make everybody happy. I mean, some of y'all are too
0: lazy to go two straight weeks of the state fair, which sounds great to me.
1: <laughs> that's a wild idea, too. Oh, yeah, it's definitely now that's wild. really a wild hey, idea. Man,
0: just throwing it out uh-huh, there. Right. So why not compromise with this idea and go right in between Bryan College Station and the beautiful Austin, Texas, to beautiful Caldwell High, most likely that's the only baseball field there, and battle it out to get to Omaha.
1: Why not? Can you imagine how tore up (laughs) Caldwell would get? If either of those things happen, I don't know what would tear it up worse. Those two groups of baseball fans showing up or those two groups of football fans.
0: There's some nostalgic about that just OG, like this is what gets you to Omaha feel. Like just an old school type field. Put everybody just like surrounding the field. Like literally have fans right behind David Pierce at the third base uh, spot. Because
1: there's not gonna be seating available. And don't even use if they even if they have lights, don't use them. Let everybody pull their pickup trucks up and turn their lights on.
0: Old school, feel the dreams type stuff.
1: Legend of Bagger Vance, (laughs) like the end of the movie. Let's just turn our lights on. Yeah, man. (laughs) OG style. Oh man, there's plenty to discuss with that because the Texas Longhorns got it going. Zay, there's only one good thing. About, about losing the way Texas lost in a conference tournament. There is a silver lining of a conference tournament. It's when, if you get embarrassed enough, that it gets you refocused and you still have the opportunity to fight back That's what we just saw Texas do. And you heard the players talking about it leading up to that game against Louisiana. They were mad. They were upset. They wanted to reset the narrative. And boy, did they. They get through the Coral Gables Regional, and they beat Miami twice to do it.
0: Man, that Big 12 tournament was brutal. It was rough. It gave us no confidence going into the Regional, going into South Beach, and getting it done because of what happened against Kansas and Kansas State. And... The three games that we saw this past weekend. Shout out to David Pierce. Shout out to this team. I mean, what a performance from yeah. game one! Like right after our show, there's still a little you know delay,
1: but they fought through those two to three days. They did. Yeah. And once they started
0: realize. rolling, it seemed a little shaky at first. With Tanner Witt, he put a few guys on, hit a couple people. Then he got out the jam, three straight strikeouts. Then those guys come back and Eric Kennedy, he robs. Yo, man, he robbed that dude like a crackhead at 3 (laughs) a.m. Like, that was stupid. That was ridiculous. Is all the, the plays.
1: Is the robbery worse at 3 a.m.? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, it, yeah, it yeah. accelerates? Oh, yeah, oh, absolutely. Because okay, right.
0: Crackhead's still out. Everybody else sleep. I crackhead's see. still out. I Untin', see. Trying to get your A track because that's what's in their mind because it's all discombobulated due to the crack cocaine. I see. They're the last so, ones so out yeah, there. Yeah, they're the okay. last ones out there. Gotcha. So, yeah, Eric Kennedy did his thing. Whew. The Dylan Campbell catch might in that even, game.
1: Might have been even better. <sighs> Web Gems? Man, that was a hell of a play.
0: Yeah, Mitchell Daly goes yard. Then the Horns get through that, move on to the next day. You got Miami at they home, at they home, LeBaron Johnson. Have you seen that? Have you seen that clip of when they said the Horns will be going down the Cole Gables and LeBaron Johnson's like leaning back in this chair and he's like, "Mm, I like that. Uh Florida boy felt real comfortable. He might've gave up that home run, but he, he felt real comfortable. 130 pitches.
1: 129.
0: 129. Right there. 130.
1: Yeah. A complete game. Little shakiness. You thought maybe there was going to be a little shakiness at the end. He closed it down at the end. They get that big. That was huge. We talked about it. When that first game is, is a must because you don't want to go loser's bracket. But to get that 2 0, Zay, now you get to go wait. You're waiting on the Sunday and then make Miami fight back through another game.
0: Yeah. You put the pressure on them early with Dylan Campbell's home run. Early mm-hmm. to make Miami think about it, and yeah, they struggle for the rest of the game. LBJ again, shout out to David Pierce for trusting them and leaving them in the game
1: because mm-hmm. he
0: could have easily pulled them. Like you know, when you hit that hundred mark, especially in college baseball. All right, coach, well, what we what's going on with this bullpen, which has been the Achilles heel for this Horns team the whole season? But man, LBJ, what a performance! And then last night, man. You got an already pretty tired Miami team, and the horns took advantage. It was a little shaky at first. Tanner Witt giving up that three-run homer, but that nine-run third inning <laughs> was just immaculate. Yeah. Like it's O'Dow gets on base. Mitchell Daly walks. Jared Thomas hits an absolute rope to right field. O'Dow comes home. Then Peyton Powell. Brings home two on that uh, grounder gapper. Brings home two with Daly and Thomas. Three game like that. Bam. Like that. And they just kept rolling. Yeah. They just kept rolling. Then the Camel gets number 38 this season. Breaking records still.
1: Still got that history going. Still
0: with winning. It tastes even better. You know, Garrett hits a gapper. Powell and Campbell come on the scope. 5-3 just like that. And then the freshman. The freshman. Jalen Flores, yeah, Grand Slam. That was it. That broke they bat because after old boy hit the homer for Miami against Tanner Witt, he bat flipped. That kind of pissed me off a little. He bat flipped, looked at the bullpen, or, uh, looked at the dugout, and was like, oh, we here. We about to take this game back, and we about to make one. We about to force one in tomorrow. And the Horns, they didn't trip. Yeah. Nobody
1: did. The thing I love about college baseball is that emotion. I love all that stuff. Bat flips, stare downs, the emotion of it. And Miami was trying to get that crowd to believe right away. Like, hey, we got to get this thing going. And I didn't have any problem with the way they did that because that's what that I thought they needed. Early energy. They needed early moxie to try to get Texas to go away and Texas fought back well. I thought that's exactly what A&M did not do against Stanford. When Stanford put their punch on towards the middle of that game, the Aggies didn't have enough. Texas had enough pitching for the rest of that game. A&M didn't quite have that. And Stanford was able to flex a little bit, force the game tonight. Obviously that's what Miami wished they could do. It's it was impressive that Texas was able to close that door and you're right. Once the grand slam goes over the fence, it's effectively over, but then Texas pitching made sure. And how about um, um. Why did I lose his name? I want to call him White House. That's not his name, right? Um. Zane. Zane. Uh, Morehouse. Morehouse. Thank you. I was thinking of yeah, all kinds of things crossed up. Morehouse's performance was incredible.
0: Yeah, he came in at the right time. In multiple games, yeah, obviously. Yeah, Tanner, went, he clearly isn't what he is coming off of the injury and he gave you what he could but Coach Pierce made the right move at the right time. I thought Coach Pierce was excellent all weekend yeah. and now these guys have a lot of confidence going into next week, which that's what you need this time of year. Whatever comes out of tonight, Stanford or AM, and either way, it's going to be a competitive matchup. I know people are thinking oh let's not face the Aggies because who wants to lose to the Aggies down here? That hurts especially when it comes to baseball and trying to get to Omaha. Then I hear a lot of people talking about the President's Cup and oh let's face mm-hmm. Stanford so we can beat them in the President's Cup. Nah, I ain't worried about that. You know what I did like this weekend Chad? What's that, that revenge that we got on Miami for the Elite Eight game. Ah, so, I figured you might yeah, be thinking about yes, basketball. Sir. Yeah, yes sir. I, I, hope, you might I hope Coach Terry texted David Pierce this morning and said hello of a effing job, coach. Thank you. (laughs) Appreciate that. Because they went into their house hitting grand slams and stuff, robbing folks, and played their ass off, and got to a Super Regional, and I will always remember that Elite Eight game where the Horns got hosed and that uh-huh. second half was absolutely bogus by the refs. So, yeah, it feels a lot sweeter knowing that the Horns beat Miami at their home when they're hosting a regional to get to a Super Regional.
1: So we will continue to talk about this whole uh, re- Super Regional possibility. If AM and beats Stanford tonight, it'll be Longhorns and Aggies in a Super Regional. Where will the game happen? That is not absolutely determined yet. We'll get into it. Now, Zay, deep down, will you be able to kind of pull for the Aggies tonight because it might get you the the super regional, or do you just go with your gut and root against a
0: Um, The hater and petty in me says, hell no, ain't no way I'm rooting for that
1: team in the Maroon. Okay. Even if it means you got to go back, you got to go out to Sunken Diamond for late night first pitches with Stanford.
0: Yeah, but again, that's what I mean. Like yeah. the objective side in me, the I'm trying to win side in me sees that a and isn't the better team here. Uh I get it. It's baseball. Whoever's hot, that's what makes it the most scary. If that was the case, the New York Yankees would win every year with that payroll that they got. Mm -hmm. But... I'm good with them winning in a way just because I know they're not going to be as tough as Stanford. And like you said, going to Palo Alto, nah, going all the way from Miami to Palo Alto, that's tough.
1: That is tough. That's now, tough. Because here's the other thing. Would you be, I mean, in a way, are you willing to roll those dice and have it be Palo Alto or College Station?
0: I'm good with College Station.
1: You can live with that.
0: Yeah, because we're going to get a good turnout no matter what.
1: Yes, I thought of that too, right? We're going
0: to get a good turnout no matter what. Let's go right down the street. Texas- that ain't nothing. It could low-key be like a home game.
1: We all know Texas fans show up everywhere. There will be people there in burn orange if they play at Sunken Diamond. But if it's College Station... That's a nut house over there. And there will be people in Burn orange. We know that. There'll be more Longhorn fans. So let us know what your thoughts are on it, Texas fans. How will you watch and deal with Stanford and A&M tonight? We will talk about that possibility later on in the crap bag. I went back through the history of this football thing and why A&M's AD is confident Believes that AM needs to get that first football game in 2024. We'll get to that a little bit later on this hour. Uh, so there'll be some Aggie and Longhorn discussion today. Uh, but also, Zay, we got to get some NBA finals discussion in. You and I both picked Denver to win in five, which meant Miami had to get one. So they've at least gotten their one now. But they've also got Denver, I think, a little bit shaken. Uh, Now that it is one all, because Coach Malone is pissed off at his team because of the way they play defense, what did you think of the Heat last night?
0: Very impressive. Very impressive. It started with Eric Spoelstra, three DNP's for Kevin Love these last three games, not playing at all. And I thought it was because he was hurt. Mm-hmm. He kind of hurt the back of his knee in that Boston series, so I thought they he was just hurt. And plus, putting Caleb Martin in the starting lineup in those last two games, Game Six and Seven of that Boston series, that was huge. Just kind of we saw what he did in that Game Seven, but starting Kevin Love. And putting Jimmy Butler on Jamal Murray was a huge move. And we talked about it on Friday. You did, yeah. Max Struz, Duncan Robinson, all those guys, they're not going to shoot that poorly again. They were getting great shots in game one. If you're Eric Spolster going into game two, you don't change much. You don't. Hope you get them again. You hope you get those shots again, and you hope you knock them down this time. Max yep. Struz, the 14 points that he had in the first quarter, that was huge. Duncan Robinson, the 10 points that he had in the fourth quarter, big time, big time plays. And – Mike Malone, he has every right to be pissed off about his Nuggets ball club. Every right. They were so undisciplined. They were so bad defensively. Catavius Carwell-Pope, it's already an unwritten rule that you do not foul a three-point shooter. Ever. This fool did it three times. My
1: God. And jumping into guys and just obvious fouls. He was
0: so bad. He, I... He was so bad. Rob Palenka and the Lakers were probably like, that's why we got rid of your ass. Mm. Even though you gave us buckets in the Western Conference Finals, that's the Contavious Carwell Pope that I've seen a lot watching Lakers games in the past and other teams. If
1: they hadn't invented that landing spot rule, they'd have had to create it just for him.
0: Just, he it's was re- jumping into every spot. Oh, it
1: was ridiculous. Michael Porter Jr., trash. He was
0: bad he was last night too. Yep. And if you're Mike Malone— I like that he got into his teammates, I mean, excuse me, his players. I like how he ripped them a new one in the press conference. I appreciated that because that's good coaching. But his game two coaching, not the best. you got Contamious Park, Carwell Pope, who got 36 minutes. Bruce Brown got 27. Mm, you got to figure out to get him out the game. And I thought there was a point in time as bad as Michael Porter Jr. was where they kept KCP in the game. And they should have left Porter Jr. in the game mm. due to his shooting. But he was getting abused offensively. Christian Brown gave them good minutes in the first half. He gave them bad minutes in the second half. Him and Bruce Brown, they were guarding Gabe Vincent and Duncan Robinson on a couple of key possessions that changed the game. They were doing the most elementary, basic-ass stuff. Just bam out of would have it at the top. Duncan Robinson and Gabe Vincent would be in like a two-man game where Duncan Robinson would go – Gabe Vincent would go set a down screen and Duncan Robinson would just read his man. Just switch it. They're both of those guys. There's no guy that's going to kill you more than not. Just switch it. If you're Bruce Brown and Christian Brown, both both of you guys are decent defenders, switch it. They don't. One of those times, both of them follows Duncan Robinson, who curls to the basket. They leave Gabe Vincent wide open. He drills a three, drills it. One of the next plays, instead of switching again, they stay with Gabe Vincent now, and they're late on Duncan Robinson. He gets an easy layup. There is a play where Duncan Robinson caught it on the wing. Jamal Murray, Duncan Robinson should never blow by you. Jeff Van Gundy, he talks about all the time how much he loves Duncan Robinson putting the ball on the floor, which he has done a very good job at doing that. When he first got to the Miami Heat, especially in the bubble, it was catch and shoot or catch coming off screens or dribble loots. That's it. You would never have to worry about Duncan Robinson putting it on the deck. Now he is still Jamal Murray. Ain't no way he should blow by you and you foul for an and one. That's an absolute joke. Jimmy Butler, he was slow Most of the game, the eight points that he had in the fourth quarter were all timely and huge. Mm -hmm. He hit a corner three on Aaron Gordon. Then he blew by Aaron Gordon and hit that floater and got an and one. Then he hit a clutch uh, uh, just coming off the screen jumper. Just everything was timely for them, and they did a good job defensively The Miami Heat on sticking on their man, and when Nikola Jokic got the ball, just letting him go score because that's not what the Nuggets want to do. They want Joker to be around 30 points, 12 assists, 12 rebounds. If he's getting 40 and 50 like we've seen throughout this playoffs, those other guys don't get in the rhythm. Even Jamal Murray, it's hard for those guys to get in the rhythm because that's just not the style of play that they have. And Eric Spoelstra, I don't like how he treated that journalist that asked him a question about are y'all allowing Nikola Jokic to score, and he was like, that's an untrained eye. Okay, like mm-hmm. let's be respectful now. It's not an untrained eye. I get it, you don't want anybody to know your hand, and you don't want anybody to like get what you're doing, but it's obvious that you allowed Joker to score and sticked on stuck on the shooters and didn't allow them to shoot. But don't don't out don't disrespect the lady for asking a legit question. I was gonna and, say
1: this is a person who is in the NBA media, right? Yes.
0: That's oh, it's just the untrained eye to think that's so disrespectful. Obviously, untrained like, eye? obviously the eye is trained, they're working in the NBA. Yeah. <laughs> like, 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 come on, that I I lost a little bit of respect for Spo. Like there, you could respect. Respectfully say he's a really great player. We did some good things tonight yeah. and it caused them problems. That's it. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to disrespect that lady for doing that. I didn't appreciate that. But yeah, I, it was a great game plan. It was a really great game plan. Starting Kevin Love, matching up better. They're still allowing Aaron Gordon to shoot threes. He hit a couple, but you'll live with that. You'll live with him taking the outside shot because if he's shooting that, it takes away shots from Murray, Joker, and then the rest of the shooters that they have on the court.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of wild stats we've thrown out about Jokic. I think now the wildest might be that when he scores 40 in the playoffs, they're 0-3 in those crazy. games. That's a crazy stat. And when they walked off the floor and Mike Breen on the broadcast mentioned that he scored 41, Jeff Van Gundy immediately said, yeah, but four assists. And that really did tell you kind of the story of the game. He wasn't, like you said, he wasn't able to get everybody going. And you had talked about that strategy, that is that the way to do it? We talk about that with LeBron uh, throughout his prime. And even now you have that discussion sometimes about do you just not back off, but do you say to LeBron, okay, you're going to have to score now. You're going to have to do a whole lot. So now let's see what the counterbalance is from Coach Malone. A, can he get his team defending a ton better than they are, and then B, now that it's a split, somebody texted us. Hey, Denver's you know gets a game in Miami. Now it's a now Denver has to get a game in Miami. Now it's a series. So the Heat have now in every round won a game on the other floor. Every single round. Now what does Malone do as as the counterbalance as that counterattack? What does he do going to South Beach? Now we'll go from altitude to humidity. How does he deal with it? What does he have Joker and Murray do in Game 3?
0: I think you got to involve more of a two-man game with those guys, even if Miami goes zone. That's a part of what Eric Spolstra did really well yesterday, going to that zone and just mucking up the flow and the rhythm of what Denver likes to do because you could get stuck just taking ill-advised threes that you don't normally take within your man offense. So when Nikola Jokic gets the ball on that high post, He has a bucket every time, but that plays into Miami's hands. You know, they want him to take twos because they're not giving up threes to Cardwell Pope, Michael Porter Jr., Bruce Brown, even Aaron Gordon, and I think... They have to involve more of a two-man game with those guys, inverted pick-and-rolls, normal pick-and-rolls, pick-and-pops, put Murray on the post more still, even with Jimmy Butler on him, put him in the post just to see if you could get something out of it. Put him in the post and then go set an on-ball screen for him and then see what happens. Just playing games within the game. I think Denver got a little hockey yesterday by just thinking, oh, we're going to overpower them like we did in
1: game one. Yeah. And they did get up 15, which the whole time they've done that in the playoffs, they win every game. Right? They were undefeated when they had a double-digit lead. I think it was in the fourth quarter or headed to the fourth quarter. Felt like they had control of it. The switch from the end of that third to the beginning of the fourth, man, Miami had that thing dealt with and a lead. It felt like in about four minutes of game time.
0: I love Gabe Vincent's game, man. Wow. He will... Go come off pick and rolls and he'll put you on his hip like he's a big man or something like Chauncey Billups used to do that all the time back for the Pistons days he would come off screens and he was so big and physical he would just put that booty on you and you wouldn't have no place to go <laughs> Gabe Vincent he don't got all that but he does a really great job of using this body and then he'll give you that little bump and then he'll do a little step back with it and he'll create crazy separation. And Bam out of bio, he's been amazing these last two games. That dunk that he had on Michael Porter Jr., oh, Lord have mercy. Man. That was nasty. I told you, he reminds me of Kemp sometimes. Yeah. He gives me a lot of Sean Kemp vibes. That, that with, had a little bit, because that's with contact. Oh, and he threw it down like it was nothing. Yeah. And that in the game became 104-93. And even though Denver did a really good job coming back, I thought that was a good shot by Jamal Murray, but I thought that was even better defense by Jimmy Bowe for the last shot.
1: Yeah. When it, when Adebayo hit the dunk, I thought it was over. I thought it was over. Like too. I thought that was close, close yeah. the door. Yeah.
0: yeah. Murray hit a couple of threes, they got back into it, and that's what you want. If you're Eric Spolstra and Mike Malone, ironically, you want your best offensive creator when it comes to being a guard taking that shot in Jamal Murray. And if you're Eric Spolstra you want your best defender guarding that in Jimmy Butler.
1: Would and you would you have taken a timeout? No. You don't let the done what he did because they
0: had they had a mismatch. They just needed a three. Like Gabe Vincent was guarding Joker all by himself, yeah. and that's exactly what you want. But they needed a three, yeah. and they thought that they would get that switch, and they didn't get it. So Murray, he had to take that, and he just hit two. You know what I'm saying? Like, he just hit two threes. It was just a step back this time. It rimmed out. Now we're going back to South Beach
1: 1-1. I hope our our prediction ends up being wrong and we look at a six- or seven-game series. These two coaches, these the level of talent on both sides, and I love both these teams because they're never done. They're never done. I thought Denver was—I still, up until the bio dunk, I thought— I think Denver still has a shot here. I think they have a chance to make a statement at the end. And they still did, even with the Adebayo dunk. I I think it's going to be a hell of a series now. Now that they've gotten that split and we see how bad, how sluggish Denver is defensively, now I think Denver and five might be off off the table. I don't know if Denver can now win three in a row after what we saw last night.
0: Yeah, that's a great point, Chad. They're sluggish defensively. Both games, they're sluggish right. defensively. Bad Miami, starts. the
1: yeah, starts of the game are bad
0: too. Miami's shown you that, oh, we could force y'all into doing things y'all don't like offensively by just allowing Joker to score and go for forty and not give up those threes to KCP, Michael Porter Jr., or Bruce Brown. While on the other side, Denver hasn't stopped Miami at all. They've just missed shots. Yeah, like when Max Strus went zero for ten. Probably eight of those were wide open jumpers, and
1: he took that shot so fast last night and oh, nailed it, knocking it down. Kept shooting, and that, that wasn't that him. They interviewed at the end of the first quarter. Yeah, like why'd you shoot? Because I'm a shooter. What are you That's, doing? This is what I get paid to do. I don't worry about misses. Yeah, I'm going to be a free agent
0: this <laughs> year. I'm going to get some big-time money because I'm one of the best shooters in the world. Oh, it's good
1: stuff. The only bad news is we got to wait two full days between these games at uh, for a lot of it. Wednesday is Game 3 of the NBA Finals, so we'll definitely be talking a lot about that. we got a lot of football to hit today. we got baseball to get to, obviously. Coming up in the crap bag at 1245, we'll talk Austin or College Station, the football version and the baseball version, but up next, let's talk some Texas football. UT gets a big commit in the 25 class, plus a former UT great finds his name on the Hall of Fame ballot. Does he get in? We'll talk about it on The Horn. Chad and Zay. Hmm. <laughs> I feel like I should know that one. You definitely should know it.
0: If you don't get this, your wife would be a little disappointed. Sing,
1: a single name or a band? Single name. Um. Gum it. Hang on, hang on. Oh my God! I'm gonna feel dumb when you say it. It's not Courtney Love. It's uh Oh come on! No, it's um. Oh, there we go. God, there it is. I'm glad I let her get that far. Cheryl Crow. <laughs> <laughs> my God. Sorry, Cheryl. My bad. My bad. I knew. I knew it. You were stalling. I really was. I was stalling. Thank you, Cheryl. Woo for hitting that note. She she saved me right there at the end. I was about to say something other than Cheryl Crow. Well done, Cheryl. All right, Cheryl Crow gets us started today musically. By, By the way, way, I got oh, oh Got your album. We're on the same we're on wavelength. The same page. What's my album this week?
0: Since you're a huge Fast and Furious fan. Yes. Ludacris Word of Mouth.
1: Okay. His second album. There we go. Ludicrous word of mouth. And. I may have a choice for you because we are on a run of great, bad movies. Have you ever seen John Travolta and Nicolas Cage in Face Off? No. Okay. Then your next two are Eddie Murphy and the Golden Child and that one. You can choose which one you want to watch this week. Your pick.
0: I'll leave it to the specs texters. Hit us up on
1: which one I should there watch this you week. There we go. Should Zay with Johnny should, T? Oh, I saw I
0: Nicholas saw a couple Cage. I
1: saw a couple scenes of that movie this weekend, and I thought, oh, this may be one for Zay. It is such a great bad movie, and The Golden Child's one of my all time favorite with movies. Eddie. That at the end I'm th- with Eddie, and I'm like, oh man. At the end, I have to admit, yeah, it's not an all timer. But it's a guilty pleasure for me. So y'all tell us, which one should Zay watch this week? Does Eddie laugh in Golden
0: Child? Of course he does. Okay,
1: let's make it sure. <laughs> oh, no, you still get that Eddie. No, there's still good comedy. All oh, right. there's some still good comedic Eddie Murphy in that movie. All right, we'll figure that one out as the week goes by. We've got other things to figure out. Austin or College Station may be the question in two different sports. We'll get to more of that in the crap bag. But... Right now, Zay, let's get to some Longhorn football stuff. Great news on uh, both sides of things. The recruiting side, big name get for Steve Sarkisian. If you don't know the name K.J. Lacey, you might want to learn it. He is in the class of 25. He is a quarterback, and Zay, if I'm reading correctly, he either grew up or went to high school or both in the Tuscaloosa oh man my goodness he has a list that includes bama oregon auburn colorado florida state miami notre dame oklahoma tennessee and texas a&m but he just committed to texas that's what i'm talking about to your longhorns so congrats to you and all the longhorn fans at least for now we all know this is a verbal thing now it's not it's not in writing yet we're a long way from that but He's a class of 25 guy. I'll be honest, I have not had a chance to see any footage. So if you've seen KJ Lacey and you can tell us what type of quarterback we are talking about, uh, you can let us know. But that's a huge get.
0: Yeah, it is. I heard he has Bryce Young comparisons. Is that right? Yep. Yeah, I'm I think saying. when Sark talked to him, he said Bryce Young 2.0, which is wild because that dude's number one pick and former Heisman winner. So if Sark sees just a little bit, in him, then bring him on, especially if he's from Bama, from that city. Mm-hmm. Like, did he go to Saban's house when he was on the trip just to visit? I was like, hey, what you doing here? <laughs> no, just visiting you, coach. Oh, okay, come in. Have a piece of pie, ate his pie, and then went and poached the kid.
1: Might like, have. That is wild. Might have. I feel him. I feel him. If he's a Bryce Young 2.0, bring it on. Love the gift. I was reading some quotes from him. What was the one I thought you would have liked? Uh, He says, The community, so really just a stable, offensive minded head coach. Love that. Talking about Sark. They also have a really good quarterbacks coach and offensive coordinator, so I know when I go there I'm going to get developed. Ooh, that's a big quote for you as a Texas fan. We all know that that D word has been a problem in the past. The community outside of football. Make sure I'm comfortable with everybody outside of football. Get a little bit familiar. Be committed and everything. Get up there. Have my visits. Go to the games all the time. So just knowing that I'm committed, fit in right away. There is talk that he will be an early enrollee, by the way, in 25. And the last quote for you, they asked me, why Texas? I say, why not Texas? It's that easy. There it is. So K.J. Lacey, the first recruit, if I'm reading correctly, in the 25 class for Texas. That's a big get for Sark. And the other big Texas football story right now, Zay, is a former Texas great hitting a big list. Uh, Michael Huff is on the College Football Hall of Fame ballot for this year. And if you don't know how this works, first off, it is always weird about when do they let guys into the Hall of Fame and how do you get on the ballot. Number 1 requirement, you have to be a first-team All-American. You have to be named a first-team All-American on one of the – I think they use three or four that they'll count. Maybe it's as many as five. But you have to be a first-team All-American. Otherwise, there's no discussion. Right. So – Michael Huff was a consensus first-team All-American. Um, yeah, he
0: won the award for best DB. Won the Thorpe Award, yeah.
1: right. Now, those awards don't get you in here. you got to be that first-team All-American, and he clearly is. There have been 25 Longhorns get into the College Football Hall of Fame. We'll see if Michael Huff will join that list. Derrick Johnson's going in this year, if you're – Keeping you know keeping up with all that. Yeah, it's the, easy. The biggest names they are Michael Vick, Larry Fitzgerald, and Terrell Suggs are all now up for possible induction this year. Where did Terrell Suggs go to college? Terrell was uh, Virginia Tech. That's right. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Sorry. Arizona State. My okay. bad. I was mixing it up with the well, other hey. other defensive guy. Terrell Suggs. Yeah, the the rush defender was Arizona State. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and I would think. Man, two of those feel like just automatic, open the door. Vic and Fitzgerald were yeah. just silly good in college.
0: Yeah, the fact that, oh, was, was Pittsburgh Big East back then? Uh,
1: I think they were, yeah. Yeah, and just the
0: hype that Larry Fitzgerald <laughs> had coming out. Like, this fool was on the cover of NCAA football 2003 Day. coming out of Pittsburgh. They had six, five. I don't think we talk about him enough as one of the top receivers in NFL history. Like, we'll go talk Jerry Rice, obviously, Randy Moss. You'll probably hear a couple of Terrell uh, uh, Owens in there and stuff like that. But Larry Fitzgerald, when it comes to pro bowls, I think he has the most right before uh, Jerry Rice. I think he's Jerry right Rice has the
1: most, yeah. and then yeah. it's Larry Fitzgerald by a long shot. Oh, he's a two-time, you know, he's a two-time Hall of Famer if there ever was one. He is a gold jacket plus this one, lock it down. Both ways. So I think he and Vic get in pretty easily. By the way, for you, Zay, and all the Longhorn fans out there, if y'all want to smile about Larry Fitzgerald, go look up that game where Pitt went to College Station. I swear he caught caught (laughs) 75 balls that day. That cat named Rutherford was his quarterback. Just an awkward-ass-looking left-handed chunk that quarterback had. All he had to do was throw it within a mile of Larry, and he was coming up with it. He caught one in triple coverage that day. I think he caught three touchdowns that day, and Pitt beat A&M. It was a crazy performance.
0: Ain't Larry Fitzgerald, isn't he from Minneapolis or Minnesota? Hmm. He was. He's from somewhere, and that pro team, he was the ball boy for that pro team, and he was like around
1: oh. NFL greats
0: all the time. Like he was around another big-time wide receiver. Good call. When he was a ball
1: boy. Born in Minneapolis. Yeah. So he was
0: always at Vikings games, and he was the ball boy for them. Even when he was so he's around in high school and stuff. So he was around Chris Carter Chris and Randy Moss
1: right. a lot growing up. Yeah, that's that. To me, that's a lockdown. And I guess Suggs would probably be uh, as well. But I would think Vic and Fitzgerald get in pretty easily. And around these parts, people will hope for Michael Huff to get in. So congrats to Huff Daddy. Still uh, still over there at, uh, at UT, and uh, I'm sure there will be a big discussion about whether he gets in to the College Football Hall of Fame.
0: Yo, Huff, talk about somebody that was always in the right spot, and you mentioned when we were prepping mm-hmm. the national
1: championship game on that stop against Lindell White. Lindell definitely thinks he's in the right spot yeah. every time. Oh, <laughs> What if he's not in that spot, Zay? What are we talking about? I mean, the discussions are different today. I
0: mean, he might have been in a different spot if Pete freaking Carroll had Reggie Bush in the game.
1: Yeah. Which, thank
0: you, Pete. Thank you for not having the Heisman Trophy winner, even though he didn't deserve it. Not in the game at the moment. Appreciate that,
1: dog. Yep, Huff's admitted that. That whole defense has admitted that. But I've heard Huff talk about it. It's like, well, if he was in the game, would your responsibility have been different? And Huff's like, well, yeah. Yeah! (laughs) Obviously.
0: Sure will.
1: That's the one thing I never understood. If you're gonna run Lindale White up the middle, fine. Run Reggie on a fake wheel. Run him in. F- run him in fake motion. Guess what? Somebody in white has to follow him. You got to. What are you doing, Pete? I mean, no decoy. Nothing. Mike Shanahan once used Terrell Davis as a decoy when he had blinding painful migraines and couldn't see. He couldn't see and they used him as a decoy. Pete Carroll couldn't do it with a completely healthy Reggie Bush.
0: By the way, I saw Terrell Davis last night at the Denver game. I did too. Wearing that pink. Yo, Terrell, you're too dark to be wearing that pink, bro. I'm a dark brother dark ass brothers in pink it don't work too well there's a lot of things the complexion looks good in that bright ass pink you were rocking charcoal brother Mm, not so much (laughs) not so much fam i hope that cte ain't messing up that you know the thought process of when you pick your attire but woo, you were looking tough last night but yeah man uh Come on, Pete. Pete's made some bad decisions in big games.
1: That was a bad one. But uh, obviously the decision he made, uh, Michael Huff ended up figuring that out. And let's see if he can end up in the Hall of Fame. That would be very, very cool. Yo,
0: Longhorn fans, I might be biased, but it is what it is. Griff and Huff, best safety duo we've
1: ever had. Ooh. There's a discussion for you. I'm just saying. That was a hell of a safety deal.
0: I don't care if that fools me $1,000 or not. The boy was nice.
1: <laughs> and they both stepped up that night. Oh, wow. The Griffin interception is one of the
0: biggest moments of the game. Oh, I say that's the biggest interception in Texas history. Somebody had never proved me otherwise. Y'all let me know. I don't know because if they would have completed that catch, that game completely changes.
1: Out of nowhere, the footwork on that play, just (sighs) Mm -hmm. getting that foot down, that was impressive. All right, so congrats to Michael Huff for that, and congrats to you Longhorn fans. Big recruiting news with KJ Lacey, uh, the first member of that 2025 class At quarterback. All right, coming up next in the crap bag, Austin or College Station? We'll talk about the baseball version that may come up. We'll talk about the football version that definitely comes up. We are nine days away from finding out where that first football game will be played in 24, assuming that the SEC is going to put the game together. We'll get to that next on The Horn. Chad and say color my And
0: emeralds from mountains the
1: sky Oh good grief. For about a year, year and a half, every woman wanted this song to be about them. every one of them did. All right so golly is it called like the greatest fan of your life or something? Is no. that the? That's not the name of it? No. Um, greatest Man, Greatest fa- What's the song called? I'll Be. I'll Be. Just I'll Be. Okay. Uh, so is, uh, God, it's like a one-hit wonder type of guy, and he's got like this basic-ass name. His name is like, uh, oh, it's um. Edwin McCain? There it is. There we go. Who also sounds like a badass tight end that would have played uh, in the Big 12. <laughs> Edwin McCain. I always thought he had a good tight end name. <laughs> uh, Edwin McCain. Yeah. I never understood the this lyric always pissed me off. The greatest fan of your life. Yeah. Why wouldn't it be the greatest man of your life? I'll be the greatest man of your life.
0: Because a woman could be the greatest fan, oh. and he's better than her, too.
1: Everything. I don't know. Yeah, yeah
0: because it's 97 doesn't mean they weren't thinking like 20, 2023. 80. That, she could have been with a woman too.
1: Yeah, that's not what I need. I don't. That's not what I need out of my wife, though. I don't need my wife to be a fan. That's not how I think about it. Because a fan is like fanatical devotion. No matter what happens, she's with you. But like, I don't need that. I need a woman that if I'm going off the track, she says, "Whoa, whoa, whoa what are you doing? Get back on track." Don't I need that too? Yeah, I'm analyzing this song way too you, much. I think you yeah, are. It's way too much. All right, Edwin McCain. We'll just let you have your big hit because it was a massive hit, dude. When you
0: think of fan, you think of your Aggie brother which aren't the best fans in the world. That, so that's that's, un, that's, that's 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 what I guess that's what you're putting in the same category. It's not like
1: that. that that's entrapment going into this segment right now is what you just did. Edwin McCain and Sheryl Crow getting us started today. <laughs> Where your skipper literally said this
0: year, no, Come on, what kind of place is this Man. when y'all were just heckling? Y'all's own baseball team.
1: Yeah, the baseball the baseball fans had a weird year in College Station. It was a weird – it wasn't just bubbles being blown over there. There was all kinds of weird stuff happening. All right, so uh, real quick, before we get to the crap bag, the Oklahoma softball winning streak is in a little bit of danger maybe, maybe for another three seconds. They're in the top of the sixth. It's 2-2 with Stanford and Oklahoma does have a runner-on with one out. So we'll keep you updated on that. Also- oh, no,
0: the Director's Cup. Called-
1: also, college baseball-wise, this one I'm just assuming Texas fans won't owe you to lose, right? Yeah. We all just want that streak yeah. to stop. Uh, those are the games today. Oklahoma's got to be beaten twice, or they advance to the championship round, and then they'll have games uh, later on. We'll keep you updated there. In baseball, Florida's up 6 nothing on Texas Tech in the middle of the sixth. That's winner-take-all. If Florida advances, they'll host the regional, so that could be bad news for South Carolina, because if Tech one south carolina would host later on uh, lsu that game starts uh coming up at one lsu is gonna have to lose twice to be out tcu would have to lose twice to arkansas in fayetteville they put 20 runs on arkansas yo those this frogs weren't playing dude the frog bats showed up this weekend they just need a win to get to the super regional i
0: saw some that one brother had like 11 rbis or something mm. Oof, dude,
1: they were raking. Uh, and then, of course, AM and and Stanford is tonight. If you're a Longhorn fan, you're focusing in on that because that's who you play in the Super Regional. Now let's get to all that other discussion in the crap bag. Austin or College Station? Here we go. Chad's crap bag.
0: Crap bag. If you need an easy way to remember it, just Think of a bag of
1: crap. Brought to you by AV Consultations, 255-8678, or go to avconsultations.com. Oh, one of my favorite things in the world could happen if the Aggies could just beat Stanford tonight. They didn't get it done last night. But if they win, it's Longhorns and Aggies. This time for a trip to the College World Series. Of course, they met last year, uh, and the Aggies were able to take the Longhorns out, a rarity in college baseball, that the Aggies were able to beat the Longhorns and beat them there, and we all know that the history of both teams in terms of Omaha. But this one, Zay, could end up as a super regional for a trip to Omaha. We've had fans texting in today. They'd rather have Stanford lose this game because even if they have to go to College Station, it's much closer to home. They don't have to worry about the the time zone issue. You don't have to get on a big plane and go back. It's a bus ride over to College Station at the worst – or you might get to host. Now, to me, all the logic says Texas would host. They're a slightly higher ranked team in this re- in this bracket. If you lo- if you look at it, they got matched up with a nine seed. A and M got matched up with the eight seed. They're both two seeds in the region, so that tells you Texas is a little bit higher rated. So to me, they would host. If anybody cared about the head to head matchup, they played one game. Texas won it. That would be advantage Longhorns. But there are those that believe A&M may actually get the host in the Super Regional. And today in the office, Zay, I heard a little conspiracy theory. There are some Longhorns that believe that there are certain committee members at the NCAA level that will screw Texas and give it to A&M. Ah, beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) I even heard this come out of somebody's mouth today. There's a committee member that I think he's at East Carolina, but he used to be at Bama. It's like, oh, okay, all right. What did
0: you hear? What was the most nuts? You were telling me when we were prepping. What was the nuts thing an Aggie fan was thinking about this whole process?
1: There's a tweet going around today, supposedly from an Aggie, that says, Losing to Stanford means one T.U. doesn't get to host a Super. Two, T.U. doesn't win the Hogwarts Cup thing they're so happy about. <laughs> Hogwarts. On- that is funny. Honestly, wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if we lost. That tweet went out, uh, I don't know how long ago, maybe earlier today.
0: Yo, y'all don't want to get Hogwarts in this. Whoop your ass in some Quidditch, too. Please believe me. Hey, y'all went like four – was it back-to-back four? It was four straight? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, please don't mess with us on that Quidditch oh, stuff. Mean,
1: y'all went crazy I want to talk
0: works and all that. Come y'all on, know, man.
1: Y'all went after it. Uh, so there's that on the, the baseball side. The other thing I want to just remind everybody of on this football thing, next Wednesday is when we find out. June 14th. And, Zay, I went back over this thing trying to figure out why Ross Bjork is like so certain that it's going to be in College Station and I, to be clear, I think there's some people that are taking a little bit of, just taking a little liberty with some things he has said. So I think there's a two-step process here. A&M thought that they were going to be the only Texas team in the SEC. And there was some handshake way back with former SEC folks and former Aggie folks that said, oh yeah, you're the only one we're interested in in the state of Texas. Y'all don't have to be a little brother anymore. Y'all don't have to be in Texas shadow. Y'all are going to be our team in Texas. That was the understanding the Aggies had. So when Ross Bjork finds out Texas and Oklahoma are coming to the SEC, it kind of freaks him out. And he says, Well, wait a minute. We had assurances that this was going to. And they're like, Yeah, those hands aren't around that shook the hand. Your guys aren't around. Our guys aren't around. But this SEC group and Ross Bjork came together, and in February, he says that he believes it'll be at College Station. Asked why. Quote, just because of everything that's transpired, and that's something that we've expressed to the SEC, and I guess we'll just leave it at that. Let's just say that it's a very, very firm position from our standpoint. But let me be very clear here, Zay. The SEC has not said anything about where that game will be played in 24. Not a word. So Ross Bjork believes that a and I don't know if it's deserves, but that A&M will get the Kyle Field nod on the game because of the fact that Texas is coming into the conference. That's what he believes will happen. But whether or not the SEC folks have actually told him that's what's going to happen, I have no idea if that has gone on behind the scenes.
0: All right. You're going to feel real crappy when we come down to Kyle Field and beat y'all by a 20 ball. So,
1: uh, to me, I would tell a Longhorn fan, if you love an Aggie joke and what Longhorn fans don't love Aggie jokes, if that game is in Austin in 24, I think it's another way that you would know that the SEC just decided not to care about what the Aggies thought. If the Aggies had been that strong to tell them, like, look, man, we thought they weren't coming at all. Now you're basically telling us that everything we've been trying to get away from, we can't get away from. Could we please have that first game in College Station? That's essentially the argument the Aggies will make. And I could make the argument the other way, that Chris Del Conte in Texas might need to leave the sword in the sheath, don't pull it out on this one, and just say, you know what, tell him we'll see him in College Station. I can make that argument for Chris Del Conte, because he's going to get arguments later on he'll need to win, and it might be something he could just – walking in the door like, hey, by the way, they've been, in the, they've been in for a decade or so, and if they want us to come see them in 24, we'll, we'll see them in 24. We'll that's one way to look at it. But I don't know if that's how the SEC will look at it. Yeah, if I'm the SEC,
0: I'd be saying, we're going to make that decision. Quit bitching. How much money is Texas and OU going to bring in for everybody, including y'all, Texas a and them? a lot more than what you are currently making. So, shut the hell up. And deal with what we have, whatever schedule we throw out there, because it has to fit for all other sixteen teams too.
1: Right? No, you're it, right. It can't just it be
0: oh because what if a And M has more home games than they should just because they're petty about putting Texas on the schedule and playing them um, at Kyle Field? That wouldn't make any sense. So it has to work for everybody. And I don't I don't even care no more if we have to go to College Station that first year. Fine. I'm just glad it's happening again. I know the Case McCoy game, Justin Tucker making the kick, that was the last time it happened, and that was at Kyle Field. That doesn't make any difference to me. It's been over a decade. Like, let's just play the game again, yep. and we'll go from there.
1: Yep, we will see. I'm, and I'm with you. Uh, by the way, both teams had seven home games in 2022. Each had the neutral game, and then uh, four games that were true road games. I'm seeing a proje- – right now, Texas would be projected – I saw a projection that had A&M, Auburn, and LSU as road games, plus Texas is still supposed to play Michigan on the road. Those are four wild road games yeah. if Texas ends up with that next year. Thank
0: goodness for that 12-team playoff, boy.
1: Plus, remember, Texas is going to have to schedule another non-conference game. If they're going eight conference games, there's an extra game out there. They're going to have to go find one. They will have to go find an extra game uh, to be had, and then I'm seeing a projection for a and that would have them with five true road conference games, which is not something they've had to deal with in the SEC so far. Uh, there's also a question of does AM still play Georgia next year? Georgia was supposed to come to College Station. Are they still coming to College Station? they got to figure that out on the 14th. One week from Wednesday is when we find out. So, just to be clear, I have not seen any evidence that Ross Bjork actually believes it's going to be Kyle Field for sure, and they've told him that. He's just saying to us in February that, they were, very, they were very clear to the SEC what they want. So when he says that's firm, he doesn't mean the SEC said it's firm. He means his feelings on it are firm. And when they throw certain headlines on stories, it kind of makes it look a little different. So I think Ross Bjork, oh, maybe he opened his mouth when he shouldn't, but I think somebody turned his words a little farther than he actually meant them. And he's not going to back off. Because It's one of those rivalry discussions, and nobody ever backs off.
0: Yeah, so I would tell Ross just play a role, just let things get handled, everything will take care of itself.
1: We will see. And when Chris Del Conte was last asked about it, he said, Oh, no, that's all internet fodder. I haven't heard anything. Yep, <laughs> I feel you, CDC. <laughs> there you go, because CDC knows, hey, you know, they take it in Austin, and of course, logically the last game was in college station so you'd go to austin yeah. logically you used to play every even year in austin anyway and 24 is an even year huh. the logic and the math would lead you to austin the other stuff would lead you to college station just we'll see where the sec wants to go just ross complaining that's the other stuff cuz an aggie would tell you that if the sec does a big favor for the aggies on this one it may be the first one aggies could remember oh, for a while gosh. i'm just saying They might mention that to you, Zay, that they haven't gotten a ton of favors since 2012. We'll see if they get one next Wednesday. Heck, we'll see if they get one late tonight. If A&M can beat Stanford, is the Super Regional in College Station or is it in Austin? Could be a wild couple of weeks for that discussion. Up next, Joe Cook of Inside Texas. We'll get his thoughts on this baseball team, what they just pulled off, the great recruiting news for Texas football, and where does Joe think that Super Regional would be? We'll find out on the Horn.